0: Um, today are in the final uh, teaching through Ephesians. We have spent a long, long time marching through the letter of Ephesians in Scripture. If you want to open up there now, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 18. If you don't have a Bible or an app, we actually have it printed out for you in the weekly bulletin, and you can follow along with us there. Um, we called the Ephesians series the Geography of Heaven. We're always trying to unpack in our moment and in our particular place how Scripture speaks to us um, in our day because it was written thousands of years ago and yet we believe that it's timeless and that it's God's Word for God's people. And so we called it the Geography of Heaven particularly because we see in Scripture, in Ephesians, that the Apostle Paul is actually unpacking for us Uh, The gospel, the good news that Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to us so that we could live our everyday life with God. That Jesus laid down his life and rose again so that we could actually live with God. And uh, in scripture, the heavens are the place where God is. And if it's here now, heaven is here, God's presence is here with us. But there's some adjusting that needs to happen in our life to live with him. Um, It's not natural to us. None of us were born from the womb knowing how to do life with God. We're actually very used to life in isolation and aloneness. It takes practice. We need one another in the midst of it. And Ephesians is a guide for us. So, um, let's read it. Why don't you stand up? We're going to stand in the reading of Scripture just to lead our hearts and minds in in understanding what this is. This is God's word to us. So, I will read starting in verse 18, and you can follow along all the way through the end of the letter. And then I'm going to ask someone to pray for us afterwards. So one of you bold souls can pray uh, that God's Spirit would speak to us. Pray at all times. I'm going to start from the beginning of the verse. You're all thrown off immediately because in the handouts we started at B. My bad. I should have had it printed out at the start of the verse because it's pertinent to us today. Starting in verse 18a. Pray at all times, in the Spirit, with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Tychicus, I think that's how you say it, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone pray for us. Ask God's Spirit to lead us, speak to us. We're family, it's participatory. We've got plenty of time. Oh, Mackenzie, you pray for us. Thank you. Yeah, amen. All right, you can take a seat. So, if you remember, the last five weeks, as we've been marching through these last verses of Ephesians chapter 6, we've been unpacking what theologians call spiritual warfare. Paul's last chapter here, half of it, is dedicated to this vision of what it means to participate with God in the heavenly places, in the places where God himself is at. But he's not the only one in the heavenly realm. Um, The scriptures paint a portrait of the unseen realm that is not only the place where God dwells, it's also the places where spiritual forces of evil dwell. And that those things actually are behind what we all see so clearly around us. That things are not the way that they should be. And he paints a picture that says, hey, human agents in, in the work of brokenness and darkness and evil are just like the, 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 the front of what's really going on cosmically behind the scenes. And those are angels, or, uh, angels and demons. Angels are, are workers for God, messengers of God. Demons are those that are workers of evil. Okay? Um, so for instance, we have had mail stolen over the last two weeks. We had uh, our DMV registration came up. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the DMV when you renew your DMV registration. It has those little stickers in it, right? And it's like for your new year and it has your registration. But it says on the envelope, open immediately. Like, registration and sticker are inside, just like right there across the surface of it. And our first one didn't come, and we were like, what, we paid for it, it should have come by now. Now our car is like, the tabs are expired. What the heck? Kate went back, in her, my wife went back in her email, and we get our mail scanned and like emailed to us. Did you guys know this? The post office can actually send you scans of everything they get that's sent out that's supposed to get to you, and we saw that it was supposed to be delivered. Maybe an error. Then we go in, we pay $25 more for a new issue of our sticker. We see it come in, the The email comes, and then that day, nothing. And the rest of our mail came. I'm no detective, but someone in the mail service has a heist to steal registration stickers for cars. Right? Like, no. We're not surprised by that, right? Like, we've all had stuff stolen living in a big city like this. That's all a front, though. The worst response would be just to get frustrated and angry with bad people. Remember, Paul said here, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against all the power of the enemy. And so for the first few weeks, we saw all of these elements of armor That is spoken of as what God himself provides for us. So that we can stand firm. So that we don't need to tap out. And so there was a helmet uh, of, what was it? Helmet of salvation. A breastplate of, what was it? Righteousness. Um, There were shoes of the readiness of what? The gospel of peace. peace. Yeah, there's a sword of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a belt of truth. And remember, these are not things that God hands to us as like tools. It's Paul unpacking for us what the presence of God himself does for us. So since God is with us, we have truth that can actually lead us into reality instead of falsehood. Since God is with us, we know that we have salvation. That when we're in peril in this life, God himself will be our deliverer and savior, right? And then we talked last week about the sword of the spirit and how God's word um, actually changes our environment around us. And today, we come to the final element of our work in participating in spiritual warfare. Prayer. Paul ends... This incredible letter to the Ephesians, painting these amazing pictures that people have memorized and recited as some of the most powerful places in all of the New Testament unpacking for us what life with God is like. And all of it culminates into the practical urge that he gives to the Ephesian churches, and it is this, to pray. This shouldn't surprise you that uh, 2023, we made our emphasis as a church to learn to pray, right? This shouldn't be surprising, right? If we made our, our whole emphasis as a church is we got to learn to pray because we don't know how to do it. We're not good at it. If you're like me, you feel like an infant in prayer. You know that you're called and even commanded by God to do it but then you you feel like you don't really know what you're doing when you engage with it. If you're honest, sometimes it feels a little boring, um, and you're distracted in 10,000 different directions to prioritize other things. Um, This year, we are seeking to do and live out and become the kind of people that can participate with what Paul is ending all of Ephesians with, the call to pray. let me give you two minutes of my story learning to pray because this emphasis for this year didn't come from nowhere. Um, when I was a, a believer early on, I met Jesus at a church called Mars Hill up in Seattle and we did not pray. Um, in hindsight, we, ne- we did not pray. We prayed to open things and close things and that's what prayer existed for. We had a prayer team on Sundays. There was a few people who would stand by themselves and just look like they were available and no one would go to them. <laughs> Um, I I grew in Jesus early on in my faith in a church that did not pray. Um, Then Kate and I came down here, our family, to start the Commons LA 10 years ago. And we spent four years on staff with a church called Reality LA over in Hollywood. And I began to see what a church family that prioritizes prayer can look like. And it felt weird to me because I had been a part of a church for several years and it was very different. It almost seemed like, wait, you guys actually spend time with nothing other than praying and talking to God together. And so every Sunday morning, there'd be prayer, um, and every staff, uh, or Tuesday, there would be staff prayer. And if I'm totally frank with you, I was bored out of my mind. I would be thinking about 10,000 other things. I did it out of obligation, and uh, it was kind of like just doing what I knew I should do um, for God. It was kind of like tipping him. Deep down, I didn't think prayer changed anything. That's really what it came down to. Deep down, I thought, God is big and sovereign, and he's just going to do what he's going to do anyway. And me praying is actually a little bit like I'm setting aside time and resources and energy to do this thing that doesn't really matter while everyone else around me is like spending all of their time advancing their life and pursuing things. that sounds very uncompelling. And none of this was verbalized. This was all just gut level stuff, right? And everything changed. Well, my low point, this is funny. The low point for me in prayer was when someone told me that they felt or, or heard in me, they felt like I was channeling my inner John Piper when I would pray. Some of you know who that is, and you're laughing right now. Um, very old man, very good love him very much but he is not me and it was as though I was just mimicking someone else trying to muster myself into prayer and everything changed when in 2019 we had this epiphany as a church that God is present with us God's actually relationally near and leaning in and desiring that we would learn life with him, embrace him, and that all of our life from this moment until eternity would be learning to live with him, would be embracing him. All of this relates to prayer because prayer is less obligation on Christians than it is invitation into participation on the adventure of life with God. That's what following Jesus is. And so if you feel now, like I felt at the start of my story, you have hope. Jesus has blazed a trail and he invites all of us into it, not because he picked some, like you guys are smart and well put together, but you're never going to pray and learn to live lives of prayerfulness on your own power but Jesus is one who's dedicated to teaching his people to become the kinds who pray. And so every one of you, full stop, can become the kind of person that the end of Ephesians is speaking of. And I want to like front load with that, because otherwise we're going to hear it as check boxes. And that's the last thing on earth that we should be hearing. We should be hearing invitation to be swept up into what God is doing in us, in our church, and in the world around us. And if we'll catch that vision, we'll actually want to dedicate ourselves to what it'll take to become people of prayer. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do that. I want to appeal to you to want it. Look with me at verse 18. Um, You don't have it in the handout, but I'm going to read the first start, and if you have it in in Scripture in front of you, you could see it. Paul starts this section by saying, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Five times in these few verses, Paul is going to appeal to the Ephesians, pray, intercede, pray. And here, he paints a picture for what a life of prayer looks like. Notice, he says, pray at all times in the spirit. A couple things are challenging for us in that. First is pray at all times. It's like prayer is something that we can do always. Not that we need to kneel down in a private space to say words to God. That's not the only way that we pray. That's a very important centering way that we pray. But prayer is... Paired with in the spirit tells us something really important about prayer. Um, Eugene Peterson says that the spirit in the New Testament is the personal presence of God experienced. So to pray in the spirit is to be reflective enough in a given moment to be relationally attuned to God wherever you go. It's to be saying, okay, God, what do you want to do through me right now with our church family? Okay, I'm walking into this really high intense uh, meeting at work. What do you want to do through me in this meeting? What do you want to do through this meeting? Lord, would you help us in the midst of this? So you see that we'll never pray and pray at all times, certainly, if we think that it's just to have a really long list that's continually checking things off. Or that we need to go into a cloister and pray for 12 hours a day. And then we can go out and live the rest of our lives. But to pray in the spirit requires that we actually start to become attuned to who God is. What God wants. I don't know if, do you live with that kind of attunement or at least desire to say, Lord, what do you want for me today? Because if you follow Jesus... If you're a Christian, the word says you have his spirit and that the spirit is his helper to you. That's what Jesus said. Because I think we hear things like this and we just imagine that we are not uh, Christian stars enough, um, really stellar followers of Jesus to be able to hear the leading of the spirit in a given moment. But Jesus told his first followers, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I can send you God's spirit. So this year and forever beyond now, we need, we need to pair together becoming a praying person with becoming a spirit-led and filled person. Prayer is our relational participation in what God is doing around us. Tracking with me? With every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Um, To be a follower of Jesus is to be one who belongs to his people. Scripture uses various analogies, right? You know them if you've been around the church for very long. We're the body of Christ. We're the gathering of his people, the called out ones, the temple of God. But to be a follower of Jesus is to be a part of his body, those whom he calls saints. You see the word saint right here, and that simply means holy ones, ones who are dedicated to God, set apart for God by Jesus. If we belong to Jesus, we belong to his church. The early church, the early Christians used to say, if God is our father, the church is our mother. If the church is not our mother, then God is not our father. What they were teasing out was this reality that you can't say, I want Jesus without also wanting the church. That's a crazy thing to say in our moment, isn't it? How common is it to say, I love Jesus but not the church? or I want to be spiritual, and and yeah, I'll learn from Jesus, but I don't want organized religion. And while we don't want religiosity, we actually need community. It's who we've been made to be. And right here we're told all those people that you're surrounded by in the community of God intercede on their behalf. Pray for them. And the word here for request and intercede is this word that means to urgently request to meet a need. As a pastor, I get to see all the urgent needs in our lives. Here, I get to see so many deep, profound needs. Um, Sometimes it's just overwhelming. It feels like my whole week is just filled with God, please help our people. They need you. Whether it's something as practical as as work and a job, or it's something as as physical and tangible as sickness or illness or affliction, or it's relational and deep, profound brokenness in our relationships around us, or it's, it's mental, spiritual health and feeling the burdens of life and anxiety and fear and depression. strikes me that Paul assumes that the church is aware of the urgent needs around them. And I think one of the reasons that we're not praying people as we should be, quite frankly, is because we're not involved and immersed in life enough together. And don't hear that as, as condemnation or church attendance. Hear that as, if we want to become the praying people I know that we want to become, we actually need to be immersed in the people of prayer. This is the place where we're learning to do these things. This is the place where we're surrounded by the people that God wants to meet through our prayers. And I think one way, besides the fact that if we're honest, Like our priorities of gathering with God's people and just being involved in the shared life of the church is because it's like 20 notches down on our priority list. But what I want us to see is that if it's 20, if gathering with God's people is 20 notches down the priority list, so too is becoming a praying person. What this taps into for us and if if i could just appeal to you for a moment with simple like the fatherly ambition and encouragement when you chose to follow jesus when your eyes were opened to life with him to his beauty to god's mercy to his love that is given to you and lavished on you you were swept up into a new kind of life. The world will push on you a vision of the good life. And always, by definition, if the world gave it to you, it is antithetical to a life of prayer. Because prayer is God-centered. Prayer is oriented around a life that is built on the assumption the good life following Jesus is loving people around us is living for God, doing what he calls us to do in our generation, and dying to go be with him if he hasn't come back yet. That's the good life. That's the fulfilling life. Everything else that pulls us away from that is the life of death that he saved us from. And so, prayer is not An obligation, but it's an indicator on the dashboard of our life that starts flashing at us. Hey, what's the big vision that you're living for? And the invitation is to say, let your anchoring be among God's people, learning to follow Jesus, learning to mature into a praying kind of person, so that two things would happen. You would be filled with the joy and peace and blessing of actually knowing God. Prayers just getting close to Him. And you would be filled with power from God. Because God actually wants to work His power through you. That's what He said in Ephesians 3. He said, by the power at work within us. And so if your if the needed vision that you have for your life is one of a certain amount of success and a certain amount of retirement and a certain amount of vocational um, regarding glory or a certain style of comfortable living, I just want to contrast these for a moment and say, please don't live unalert to what you're living for. That's why Paul integrates with this call to prayer. Stay alert. Open your eyes, See the needs around you. it's just It's just about not getting lost in the busyness of living compulsively in response to everything that's going on around you. Step back and assess your life. Stay alert. And here's why here's why I plead with us as a people, because One of the most common things that I sit down with someone and talk to them about in the fray, in the hurry, in the pressure of living in a place like Los Angeles is is a um, a longing for God to feel more real to us. And if you're in a discipleship group, a small group of men or women that study scripture and pray together on a weekly basis, one of our questions is every week, Has Jesus been real to you? Has Jesus been real to you? And because we want to actually have some sort of indicator. Like, we're not doing this just because we want to live according to a religious system. We want to follow Jesus because we think he's alive. We think that he's accessible to us. We think that he can actually be real to us on a daily basis. And sometimes, sometimes... God lets us go through a season intentionally where his presence doesn't feel very real to us, where he tests our maturity. He tests us, and scripture says he never tests us beyond our ability, but he's testing our hearts to see, okay, without the reward of my tangible feeling presence with you, will you still choose to be faithful? That's one way that he doesn't feel real to us. But after 15 years of being in ministry, and having lots of conversations with people, more often, Jesus doesn't feel real to us when we're not taking hold of him. When we're not praying. When we're not gathering with his people. And oftentimes, when I talk to people, like we just tease out these questions. It's almost like clockwork. No, God hasn't been feeling real to me. Can you like counsel me? You're like a spiritual person person, right? You're a leader. You're supposed to be able to fix my interior soul. And I just ask really simple questions every time. Well, okay. It doesn't feel real to you. You've been feeling distant from God. Have you been around his people? Uh, Like somewhat. Have you been immersed in scripture and praying? No. And I can't help you do what you need to do to follow Jesus. And like, I long for for you to understand what you're invited into. Because it's not like you will invest a ton of your time and energy into something that will not pay off. Everyone who leans in to life with God. Everyone who says, pray. Pray without ceasing. Okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word. Everyone who knows Jesus and chooses to obey him and follow him, is rewarded. So I want to invite you, if you feel so like a failure right now hearing this, that's the enemy condemning you and saying, yep, you're just never going to be up to snuff. Because what's real, what it really is, is a wooing out to say jump out into this. Dive into it. Forsake all the stuff the world wants to give you. It's never gonna make you happy. It's never gonna satisfy you. All it's gonna do is give you this little gasp of like, oh, I did it, great. And then it's gonna say, yeah, now you need this one. Now you need that. How much money is ever enough? More. How much security is ever enough? More. How much success is ever enough? More. How many flag football games from your kid's team that you coached is going to be enough? More. (laughs) So, what I'm trying to say is we must, if we want to take up the, the, the mantle that we are entrusted, that we're given, that we're invited into to do battle against darkness in the world around us, we simply need All we need to do is be willing to participate with God. And so we need to rearrange our life. If we want to become a praying people, we can't wake up 15 minutes before we need to get out the door to go to work. And I'm not not saying this from like judgmental thing. This is wisdom. Take this with wisdom. Some of you might have super nuanced situations that this doesn't speak to. But for many of you, we we need to be able to orient our life around prioritizing becoming praying people who draw near to Jesus. And you can argue all that you want, that you're a night person and that you do that best at night. I am a night person as well. I wake up groggy in the morning. But if you first thing you put before your eyes is your phone and your email and work and your calendar. Those are the things that are going to draw your heart for the day. Again, this is wisdom. Second thing, reorient your time. Second thing, you need to write down what you're praying for. And please, unless you are a very unique, special person who can pray while being involved with a digital device, I would recommend not having a list on your phone or on your computer. Um, These are note cards. Many of you use these for studying. (laughs) These are also great tools for praying. And so when Paul says, pray at all times with intercession and request for all the saints, you can make a list of the saints around you and pray for them. And it's humbling to need this, but I need this. And many of your names are written on these. Is there a color coding? I won't tell you. You can choose to color code them. I bought note cards, and they're on the back resource table. And if you raise your hand with me and say, I stink at being a praying person. I'm just going to own it, but I want to learn. I want to urge you, go get three of them afterwards. First one, write on it, all the people in the church all the followers of Jesus, all the saints that you are responsible to pray for by virtue of God putting them around you. And I say responsible to pray for because right here Paul makes us responsible. And in second, or First Samuel, Samuel the priest and prophet says, far be it from me to sin against God by not praying for you, Israel. First one, people around you that you're responsible for, to pray for. Second one, The the not yet followers of Jesus that you're responsible to pray for. The people around you that don't yet have their eyes opened to the glory and love and life that is found only in Jesus. Um, Scripture makes really clear that they don't believe because they don't yet see. And that as we pray, the blinders fall off. And on the third one, your own soul and the things that God is putting before you to pray for. Okay, the things that you need to bring to God to cultivate openness and dependence on God. The things that you're praying for you. It's very simple, right? But we'll never stumble into it. We'll never stumble into it. Paul here says in 19, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Prayer is also Integral to mission around us. Part of the question, one of the questions that really um, strikes deep in me is asking the question how many people around me who don't yet know Jesus don't know him because I haven't yet prayed for them enough? Not to say that their, their eternal state is up to me, is on my shoulders, but God very clearly tells us that he responds to prayer. And so the people that you work with, the people in your classes, the friends that you have, the family that you have, pray for them. Pray for them every day. Paul here is saying a couple things. Pray that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth. That's crazy to me. Paul, apostle of Jesus, So wise and winsome. We can read his words, many of them. He says, pray that the message would be given to me. He saw himself as a recipient. In the moment. The words that he needed to say to particular people. And so, as we're out in the world, witnesses for Jesus, it's not up to you. The message, the words that you have. And... All of us, if we follow Jesus, are called and invited and commanded to be his witnesses to the world around us. And we're in a weird moment culturally where it's extra difficult, it feels like, to identify with Jesus. Um, We need to pray if we're going to open our mouths about Jesus. That's where courage comes from. And I take real solace when Paul says to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Okay, He suffered because he was opening his mouth about the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak it as I should. Doesn't that say that Paul wrestled? He wrestled to be bold. If you're going to love people, you are constantly going to be towing the line between boldness and courage and tenderness and compassion. And so when we are out in the world prayed up, uh, we need to be praying for each other in our missional communities. That's what we're trying to do on the third week of the month when we emphasize our identity as witnesses for Jesus. But mission flows from prayer. Mission flows from prayer. Um, last thing. Second to last thing. Prayer happens in real living. Prayer happens in real living. What the Spirit wants for us in becoming a praying people is that our lives would be peppered with pray, with prayer. Paul introduces. Tychicus, I've heard people pronounce it Tychicus, maybe you have another pronunciation that you are aware of. Um, Our dearly beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Um, Paul lists over 80 people in his letters and he was founding churches and making disciples, and those people were an integral part of his community. We need to be known enough in the midst of community that we could have people who are aware of how we are so that we, they could be informed on how to pray for us. I habitually believe that I'm doing okay if I'm self-sufficient, okay? I habitually believe that. If I'm self-sufficient, then I'm doing okay. That's another vision of the good life that we need to crumple up and throw in the garbage can. The good life is in all of our wrestlings being known, being able to be prayed for. Um, That's where God is pleased to move in power. That's why oftentimes he will not answer your prayers for your life. And then you share those needs with someone else and he answers their prayers for your life very quickly. I have an example of this. I, on uh, this last week, felt like uh, God's inviting me to stop drinking coffee. Okay, I've felt this invitation a lot of times. And many of you have been around me long enough to know i felt this invitation a lot of times. Previously, um, I just kept it to myself, and I failed. I failed at, at giving up coffee. This time, I was very, very intimidated by it. I was very afraid of giving up coffee. I love coffee. I have a propensity towards depression, and that tends to come on when I abstain from caffeine. It's a very easy upper. I feel like I can conquer the day, which is also one of my idols, efficiency. So I said very intentionally, I'm going to tell people, and so I told people, and I was honest with people. And you want to know what when Wednesday came around that was day 0 of fasting from coffee, I felt strength. Maybe part of it was just the strength of being known and like living wisely as a human being, but I think another part of that was the spiritual strength of God answering prayer. So second to last invitation. If you want to become a praying Kind of person, a person of prayer. Be known. Know others. Pray for others. Last thing, Paul ends the letter with verses 23 and 24. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. For a long time, when I read the letters of the New Testament, it always seemed kind of like a hallmarky kind of thing, the way that they're started and ended. Like this. Peace to you and love with faith from God the Father. <laughs> that just sounds like well wishing, right? Am I alone? This is just sound like flowery language to try and like have an easy intro to your speech and an easy outro to your speech and that's it. But here's the thing. With this vision of what's going on spiritually behind our everyday reality and the position that you and I have swept up into the life of God, we have become priests of God. All of us are priests of God. No longer one or two or whatever in the temple. All of us. And there's a place in Hebrews 11 that opened my eyes to something. It says, I think it's Isaac. It's either Isaac or Jacob. Sorry, can't give it to you precisely, but you can go back and look at it. In in Hebrews 11, it says, uh, Isaac leaned over his staff and by faith blessed his children. Blessing is this kind of praying it's pronouncing God's promises over people in such a way that is not in our control. So it's by faith. God has to show up. But it is inviting God into their life so as to do the things that he has promised to do, to bring peace and to bless and to cultivate love among people. And so when we read these words, We actually have a tool of prayer to become a praying kind of people, to actually pronounce blessing over one another in this kind of way. May may God's peace be over you today is something that we can tell one another and God actually hears it and honors it. And guess what? Something else happens inside of the hearer of that to be reminded of the reality of life with God. And last thing. If we want to become a praying people, there's something in here that I saw this week that I'd never seen before in the very last verse of Ephesians. And it's this. If we want to become the kind of people who descend into lives of prayer, we need to see that we are raised with Christ. Because praying feels like dying. It is denying You attaining and achieving and doing and being efficient. And it feels like dying. And it is. Because that's the way of his kingdom. When it says in verse 24, grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. That word undying love caught my attention. And so I went back and I looked up in the Greek what's going on. And that word undying is the word immortality. And it doesn't actually seem like, according to some commentators, that it's tied to love. So it's not necessarily, it might be, about our love for Jesus and it being a kind of love that will never extinguish. That's what it sounds like, especially in the CSB that we're reading. Um, The the wording is is, um, ambiguous enough that it might actually be that, those who have love for our Lord Jesus Christ in immortality. And that word, immortality, is a word that Paul uses to speak of the resurrection. He uses it in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection. We need to see that in our loving Jesus, in our loving people, in our devoting ourselves to life with God, we have the hope of resurrection always before us. And here's why that matters. Because in all the little deaths of self-denial and in sacrifice, we need to see that we aren't living for this life. We are promised the resurrection. One day, all of this is going to be wiped away when heaven and earth come together. And all of those sacrifices, all of those frightening moments where we live generously, not knowing if we're going to be secure for the next month, all of those moments are fear about our own life. And Jesus calls us to lay it down in death. That's what love is. With the hope and knowledge, we're all going to live. All will be taken care of. And so as we transition to prayer, I want to leave us with this invitation. Prayer and becoming the kind of person who is prayer-filled is the kind of person who is who knows what it's like to deny yourself in those moments of fear because you know God will come through for you in life. Whether it's practically the day you're denying yourself or it's permanently on the day when everyone is brought back and heaven and earth are joined together. And we'll look back on all those moments and say, why didn't I take more of them? And so... I want to pray for us, okay? I just want to pray for us. Um, I believe that this year God is going to continue to stir us to become people of prayer. And I want to encourage you today that it's here. It's available to you. Gather with God's people as prayer-filled people. Do the work of rearranging your life to take hold of what God says he will do with things as silly and simple and humbling as note cards. Um, rearrange our lives so that we can become people of prayer. If you want to join us on Sundays from 9.15 to 9.45, we're praying in that back corner for the gathering. Tangible things that you can do. But please, don't say, I like the idea of becoming a prayerful person without rearranging our lives enough to take Jesus' word and say, I'm going to become the kind of person who is prayer-filled. We want that, right? So Jesus, please give us courage to rearrange our life, to live openly before one another, that we we would see that the risk and the discomfort of change, of taking your word seriously, pray at all times in the Spirit, with all supplication and intercession for all the saints. There's not just flowery language, it's guidance for us to live this kind of life following Jesus. Please help it not pass through one ear and out the other. Please stir us with a kind of zeal that says, if I'm not living this way, I'm invited to pursue it by following you, Jesus. Please make us a prayer-filled people. I pray over my sisters and my brothers here. Make us a prayer-filled people. I pray against the enemy and the work of accusation and condemnation that he would bring. I pray against low expectations that you could never turn me into a champion of prayer. Lord, this church has been built because people have prayed. And it's being advanced because we have prayed. And the future will be because we have prayed. Please, Jesus, we need you by your Spirit, to give us conviction that if we want to follow you, we are invited and called into a life of radical commitment to praying. So Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. We invite you to speak to us. And I pray you would do whatever you need to do among us today in order to make us more prayerful people. In Jesus' name, amen.